Hey everybody, Dave McEwen here from Outfield Leadership and welcome to another episode of Lead Like You Give a Damn where this season the focus is all on where do we go from here. Uh, Thank you for joining me. If you're live at the minute, we're going across LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook uh, and actually we're trialing uh, Instagram at the minute as well. So thank you so much for joining me if you're on the live stream. Uh, I'm a little uh, later than I usually am. We normally go live at 9 a.m. Friday uh, Pacific time. But to be honest, I had a terrible night's sleep last night and uh, needed to kind of get ahead of things this morning. So I thought I would rather turn up a little bit fresher than uh, start it on time. So thank you for joining us if you're on the live stream. Um, if you want to stay updated and join us every Friday, make sure that you subscribe on YouTube or uh, friend me on Facebook or on LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever it is your favorite platform is. Um, we also then release the podcast uh, on a Monday afternoon on Spotify and iTunes and all of those Uh, great uh, platforms. So wherever you're listening from today, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, We have no guests today uh, because I wanted to take an opportunity to go back to answering some of your questions. Uh, The last couple of weeks have been somewhat fraught for a lot of people and and I'm hearing of uh, a number of repeating themes and questions coming in. Uh, And so I just wanted to take the opportunity to answer some of those questions for you. If you're currently in one of the live streams and you've got a question for me, put it in the comments box uh, and I will try and get to it if I can. Uh, I've got a couple of questions that have come in throughout the week, uh, which I'll start with. Uh, But if you have a question, feel free to um, put it in one of the chat boxes and I'll get to it. If you're listening on the podcast uh, on iTunes or Spotify or some other platform, feel free at any time to shoot me a note at dave at outfieldleadership.com and I'll take your question on the the next show that we come to. Uh, One of the greatest joys that I get in doing what I do uh, is the opportunity really to work one-on-one with people to help them with their current leadership challenges. So before we get stuck into any of that, I just wanted to um, have a real quick shout out to everybody, anybody that's listened to the show over the last two years. I started this about two years ago. Uh, we're now in season two uh, and we just surpassed 5,000 listeners, um, which is small, but it's mighty. It's no Tim, Tim Ferriss, um, but I'm just so excited that we have impacted that many lives over the last couple of years. Um, so for anybody that's listened to any of the episodes, thank you so much. I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope it's a value to you. My goal is always to make this useful, helpful, and valuable to you. So uh, if at any point you've got any questions or comments or things you'd like me like me to address, just feel free to reach out on social media or send me an email at dave.outfieldleadership.com and I'll take uh, your, your feedback to heart. So thank you so much for tuning in at any point over the last two years. You know, there's something that happens in leaders who spend time to develop themselves. Uh, there's... Uh, this degree that they're pushing their own growth and their own development. And and really, I think over the last couple of years, we've done a disservice um, by to ourselves and to our leaders by essentially taking the approach that it's up to our organizations to develop us. It's up to the businesses that we work in to provide us with learning opportunities and, and growth opportunities. And, and actually what I see is the opposite. Those leaders who take responsibility for their own growth and for their own development uh, are the ones that are much more effective over the long term. And, you know, 
listening to a podcast is is just one of those items, one of those aspects. Um, I know plenty of people that spend time reading, that they do their own training, they don't do their own research. And and if you're somebody who uh, is at the edge and pushes your own learning and your own development, then I applaud you. I think it's the, the greatest thing that you can do as a leader. I know that right now, at the minute, just in general, podcast listenership is down, but for a, a, a big and obvious reason, which is um, we've cut out our commute time for a lot of people. And so for many folks out there, um, that time to and from the office or even just walking around during uh, your lunch break is is a time where people listen to podcasts. And so, you know, my first bit of encouragement to you today would be if, if you feel like um, in the midst of everything that's been going on, You've lost out on some of those learning and development development opportunities that you would normally put yourself through, uh, whether it's podcasts or or reading or taking online courses or just learning new skills. I'd really encourage you to consider trying to put it back into your life, um, it, just to find some time to to focus on on your own growth and development because I think you'll you'll see the payoff um, in spades. So anyway, thank you so much, everybody uh, listening to the podcast. I hope that you will stay involved uh, as we continue to grow and and evolve over these next couple of years. Uh, All right, let's get stuck in with some of these questions that I have had coming in over the last week or so uh, and see if we can shed some light on where we go from here, because that's the whole point of this uh, in the long run. So here we go. Here's the first question uh, that I had come in this week. It says, um, I'm getting zoomed out. I'm sure you know that feeling. Um, Feels like I'm in a video meeting from morning to night. Surely this can't be it. Uh, I I actually saw a bit of research this morning that said that um, apparently there's more of an emotional trigger now on video conference calls than people used to have whenever they were in face-to-face meetings. I don't know how widespread the survey is or the study is, um, but that there's this sense of needing to be always on or more of a, a, of a character or to present the best self um, forward in a video setting. Which is funny because when this all initially happened, there was this belief that we were all going to be able to turn up and be our authentic self a little bit more. Um, But apparently in this study, there's more and more pressure and stress on people now feeling the need to turn up and be always on. Now, that may well be coupled just with the fact that... um, uh, people are just in Zoom meetings or WebEx or whatever it is um, too often. Uh, I think we're still trying to figure out the choreography of how we meet regularly enough with our team to get stuff done in a ro- remote environment. And and so we're sort of overcooking this um, amount of time, FaceTime that, that people need. And, and it, it can be draining. If you're just going from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting with nary a break, you don't even get the opportunity to walk b- between meeting rooms that you used to get whenever we were in an office. And so I can get that sense. Um, the funny thing is, uh, and I, you know, meetings get a bad rep and they have always had a bad rep for as long as I've been doing this. People saying things like, well, you should cut your meeting times in half or, you know, most meetings can be an email. And, you know, I actually love meetings. I think meetings are some of the greatest ways to get things done with your team. The problem isn't that meetings in and of themselves are, are bad things. It's just that we don't know how to have good meetings. Quite frankly, I've been in so many of them where it's it's just like, why are we here? What are we doing? Give me the nearest paperclip so I can stab myself in the eye. Um, and that comes down to not that meetings in themselves are a bad thing. It's that we just are not very good at, at putting them together and holding them. Um, 
Uh, and that applies across the board. Um, very, very few leaders that I meet are really effective meeting facilitators. Um, and, and here's why I like meetings. If you think about the two main reasons why you would get together, number one, it is because somebody needs to make a decision on something. If you've got a group of people together in a room in a short period of time, you get more feedback, insight, uh, advice, guidance, and support on that idea than you would in any other setting, presuming that you handle it correctly and right. Um, and the second most common reason for having a meeting is, is one of communication. If you get your folks together in a room, um, you're not going to have that that sustained period of time that you would have in that session over an email and people's concentration, you get the opportunity to communicate out the message to get whatever feedback it is that you need to ensure that you stack hands and then move on from it. So it can be hugely powerful things. But like I said, most of us are not very good at, at managing our meetings. And so my suggestion, particularly now, is number one, let's not try and replicate the offline online. Meeting online, is a, it's a, just a different beast. And what it actually requires of us is even even better meeting facilitation. Um, as a leader, you need to develop the skill of meeting facilitation. How do you plan and hold an effective meeting? And that sounds like absolute boredom to a lot of people. But in the same way that, you know, you've turned up at some people's, um, let's say, house parties or dinner parties or gatherings, and some of them have been hugely successful and some of them have been less successful, it's because somebody knows how to facilitate that session. And so here is my general suggestion or, or, or series of things that you can do to become a better meeting facilitator. Number one, you have to get absolutely crystal clear on the purpose of the meeting. Why are you bringing people together? Just willy-nilly calling up a Zoom call and bringing people in because you've got a great idea is not a good reason to have a, a meeting, nor is just having a meeting for the sake of it because we've had it every Thursday. You know, So typical example, the Thursday manager's meeting I ask a leader, well, why do you have that meeting? Well, it gives us an opportunity to get together as a management team. Okay. Um, why? Well, I guess everybody shares what they're working on. Okay, that's that's great. So it's just an update. Is that what the meeting is? Um, do you ever have any discussions around goals? Well, yeah, we talk about our goals. Okay, awesome. What well, if somebody is not hitting their goals for their month? Do you do something there? Well, yeah, we talk about ways in which um, we can help that particular team member get back on track and provide support and advice and guidance. Okay, awesome. So now you're becoming a lot more clear on the reason for the meeting. So the, the, the Thursday managers meeting isn't just to get your managers together. It's to provide an accountability vehicle for your management team in this example. You, you, the conversation then goes, okay, so you're clear on that purpose. Is the rest of the team clear on that purpose? Well, probably not. Okay, well, that's going to be your problem number one. The biggest reason why meetings suck is because we just don't have a clearly defined, communicated, understood purpose for it. So if you look across your week and what you've got coming up next week, ask yourself, what is the very specific purpose for us getting together at that time? Why are we doing it? And here's what you need to be careful of. Um, I talked earlier about the two modes of, of, um, of meeting or the two main reasons. One is somebody needs to make a decision about something or we need to communicate something out to, to a group of people. At all possible, try to stick to one of those purposes for your meetings. 
because often what happens is we come in and we think it's a communication um, a vehicle and so everybody's communicating then all of a sudden we start going into discussion mode and debate mode about a particular problem or challenge that we're having and now we're moving into to decision making and and it just gets uh, a little gray because we're not clear on whether we're there to make decisions or not so be really clear is this a communication meeting is this a um, um, decision making meeting if you start from that premise um, everything else will follow. Next thing that you want to think about is then, well, who, who, what's the absolute least amount of people that we need in the room to, to achieve our goal, to get to where we need to go to, and really ruthlessly ensure that you're selecting the right people to be there. Uh, often what happens, particularly in larger organizations, is meetings just accrete over time because you know somebody decided once that they want a little bit of insight into something that's going on in a corner of the organization that they know nothing about. Um, and, and so you end up with 30, 40, 50 people in a in a you know in a leadership team meeting and it, it just gets too much. Get really really good at at, at um, crafting a attendee list that's the shortest uh, amount of people on that list for achieving your overarching objective. Second uh, to that, then once you've got your purpose, is build an agenda that's going to help you achieve your purpose, and, and then stick to it. it. You know, we try to when we, when you set your purpose for your meeting, we then uh, have this tendency to try to shove other agenda items in just because it's this opportunity for us to get people together. And, and, and then the purpose starts to dilute over time. It becomes less and less useful. Um, if you get really clear on the purpose for the meeting, you get really ruthless on who's going to be there and you set an agenda um, to achieve your purpose, you can be out of there in 10, 15, 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be a 60-minute meeting. Um, but what we do is we just go, well, we want to talk about this thing. Don't really know who should be involved. Not quite sure what the agenda should be. So let's give it an hour. And what happens is your conversation, you, you just get a bunch of people in a room. The loudest people talk and dominate the conversation. You get to the end of the 60 minutes and you walk out and you're like, what did we decide? Who's responsible? And when are we going to get back to review this? So that's all the work that you need to do at the front end. Get really clear on the purpose. Get clear on the and the number of people or the or the specific people that need to be in the room, uh, and then the agenda that's going to achieve your purpose. and And your agenda should be geared towards achieving that number one purpose. If it starts to feel like you're cramming other agenda items in there, you've got to have a different vehicle, um, and that might be an email or that might be um, a shorter uh, meeting or a shorter phone conversation. But stop trying to cram everything into a meeting just because you've got everybody there. Uh, next, then, whenever you get into the room, this is where your facilitation has to, to get to, to really um, increase, particularly on virtual calls. You have to facilitate the heck out of that, which means if you've allocated specific amounts of time on the agenda for particular discussion points, you've got to ensure that you use only that amount of time. And so when folks are dominating the conversation, whenever it feels like we're going round in circles, whenever it feels like we're talking about something else, you've got to notice those things and say, hey, let's stay focused on this particular agenda item. Whatever other discussions that's happening out here, let's stick it on a parking lot. Let's deal with it at another meeting. But far too often, I, I see a leader will walk in with the, got a great agenda in front of them and it just gets blown up in the first agenda item because somebody else has a particular interest and they take it off in a direction that's not helpful for the, for the rest of the group. And so just getting good at, 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 at first of all, nonverbal clues, hey, I'm just going to stop you there, and then saying, that's a good point, let's move it to another um, uh, area of discussion uh, can be hugely helpful. And just stick to the time. So if you've allocated 10 minutes to make a decision on, um, you know, what your employee recognition program is going to look like next month, 
and you're getting into the eighth minute and it doesn't look like you're getting to the point where you're about to make a decision, you're going to say, okay, we've got two minutes left. Let's make a decision. Everybody share your thoughts. You know, are you for this or are you against it? Are you going in direction A or are you going in direction B? And then make the actual decision rather than just allowing the conversation to go round and round and round. Here's the reality. Most discussions that happen in leadership meetings, you have a version of it three or four or five times and it's just not helpful. Get all of the points out in the room Get all of the uh, ideas. If you want to flip chart it, here's here are the supporting points for point A. Here are the supporting points for point B. Get everybody to share whether which one they're in support of. And then when there are no new new discussions or, or arguments, call your vote. What we often get into is just this sense or, or this thinking of you're not coming around to my way of thinking. Therefore, I have to say it again in a slightly different way, maybe slightly louder, and I maybe need to get somebody else to support me with it. And that's not the case. We have heard you. We just don't agree with with what you're saying. Okay, that's great. So let's put all of the points up for um, uh, support of, of direction A. Let's get them up there. All of the points for in support of direction B, get them up there. All right, any other items that we need to, to look at? No, okay, let's put it to a vote. So just get really good at, at facilitating that that time. And then the, the final thing to think about uh, in terms of managing those meetings, particularly online, is um, ensure that people don't hide. Um, if you've got 12, 13, 14, 15 people, it's way, way easier in a digital meeting for people to kind of just sit, turn their cameras off and not engage. Call people out. Make it part of the agenda that you want to hear from, from at least everybody once uh, on that call. Uh, and then final bonus tip, be ruthless on the next action. What did we agree specifically? Who's responsible? What are they going to do? By when? How will we hold them accountable? When are we going to come back to review? So that you don't just turn off the camera and go, hey, that was a really good meeting, but I have no idea what we just agreed. So those are my um, my advice for being uh, using Zoom meetings to your effect or, or, or um, WebEx or whatever. Um, platform that you use you've got to get really really good at facilitating them and if you want a resource for that um this is a great book that i just finished a couple of weeks ago it's called the art of gathering by priya parker um and it, it just it goes into a lot more detail some of those points that i just mentioned she um really breaks down how to build an incredible experience for uh, your people, whether that's in a work setting or in a social setting, um, to hold a good meeting. So The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker would really recommend that you go out and get it. I think it's funny that I get so excited about meetings. Well, it's what what I do, and I just I, I think that if our managers and leaders out there can get better at facilitating meetings, you're going to be much more effective at what you're doing. So don't bl blow them up just because you've had a lifetime of bad meetings. Just make them better. All right, let me see what other questions we have here. I've got a couple more um, that have come in for me. Let me see what I got. Uh, I need to give somebody on my team some bad feedback. I'm assuming they mean negative feedback. Am I a jerk for doing so at this time? Um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting time. We're, we're seeing a, hopefully in, in a lot of cases, a movement towards a more human-to-human -human way of leading. We're certainly a, a, a trying to be more empathetic to other people's um, positions and perspectives uh, and, and just less rash. And I'm seeing edges just kind of coming off a little bit. And I, and I, and I hope that stays and I hope that sticks around um, beyond whatever it is that we're currently going through. It doesn't take away from the fact that in some instances we need to give performance feedback. We need to 
to give some correctional feedback. Somebody's not doing their job right or um, they're not giving 100% of what they're doing or maybe they just completely screwed up. And yeah, things are tough out there and we've got to be mindful of that. But we've got to also understand that when we share with somebody in a empathetic, vulnerable way, a bit of correctional feedback, we're actually doing them a service because I don't know about you, but there've been plenty of times in my life whenever I've behaved a certain way, I've acted in a certain way, I've done a certain thing, I've turned up in a certain way and thought it was all right, good and, and wonderful. And it wasn't until somebody pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, you, you might want to think about X, Y, or Z. And it's usually something that sits outside the periphery of, of, of our understanding. And what I've found over the years is in, in giving developmental feedback to somebody, you're giving them the opportunity to, to grow and learn. Uh, now, it's up to them to take that opportunity if they want. You can never make anybody grow and learn. But if we say to ourselves, oh, well, just because this is a really crappy situation that we're all in, let's just put a hold on any developmental feedback. What we're essentially saying is I, I don't think that you're mature enough as an adult to hear some feedback and to act on it. And, and I'm going to overly coddle you as a result of it. And, and you're you're robbing them the opportunity to, to take that and to, to grow and develop from it. So I'd say, no, you're not being a jerk if you need to do it. Assuming it comes from the right place, right? Assuming that it is something that 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 needs to be um, dealt with or, or, or changed or amended. And here's the funny thing about giving developmental feedback. We're terrible at it. I mean, humans in general are not very good at it. There's an emotive reaction that we have to it that's essentially similar to our reaction if we sense physical danger. Our amygdala has that same fight or flight response. And so I'm sure you've you know, sensed it and felt it yourself. If you have to go and tell somebody that they've got to ship up, it, it it's tough. Your heart beats a little harder or faster. You're, you heat up a little bit. You get... <laughs> sweat in your palms and you sort of think what's going on why is why does this feel like it's such a big deal and the reality is that number one we don't we don't typically tend to want to hurt anybody but also we fear an emotional reaction on the other side like what if heaven forbid they get really upset what if they get really angry we're have that tendency of of we're viewing our landscape for potential conflict and potential danger in front of us. And, and so our, our, our evolutionary bodies are kind of stuck in this place where we still view giving um, bad feedback as, as, um, as that way. And so what that means is most leaders either go in too, well, most leaders go in too soft. Some go in too hard. And I'm sure you are aware of, you know of a leader that you've worked with who's just all bluster and actually relishes the opportunity to give you a good tongue lashing. Uh, and that's not a good way to deal with it. But for most leaders out there, certainly what I've seen, there's a tendency to go too soft. So we avoid it. You know, somebody does something that's a little jerky and we just think, well, it's one time, you know, we're all under pressure at the minute. We'll let it slide. And then they do it a second time and you think, oh, it's two times. You know, if by the time they do it a third time, it's, it's probably a pattern. It's a theme at that point. But you know what happens? By the time that they've done it a third time, 
it's not become an embedded behavior for them. And so if you come and approach them and say, hey, that thing that you did yesterday, it wasn't good. They'll look at you and say, well, I've been doing that thing for the last three weeks and you haven't said anything about it. You're the one that's changed. So what's what's different with you? And I always find that behavioral or developmental feedback, if you can give it in the earliest opportunity, the better. Now, I don't mean go around looking for reasons to do it. That's not what a leader does. But if there's if there's something that somebody does that you know you're going to have to pick up on at some point, don't wait till your next one-on-one. Don't wait until they've done it three times in a row. Just go and have a 30-second to one-minute conversation with them. Because what it does is it 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 strips out all of the noise and just leaves the signal. And you can say, hey, you did a thing and it wasn't great. Here was the outcome and here's what I'd like you to do about it. You know, it's one of the greatest models that you can use for giving feedback. Just give them direct evidence of what it was, that you're, of the behavior that you saw. Give them the what you saw the impact or the effect was of it and then, and then share with them how you'd like them to, to, to take that. What you'd like them to do with it. And then you've got to give them the opportunity to say, hey, yeah, I did see that. And, okay, I'll, I will change. Um, you can't force anybody to change. But in presenting it in that way, it, it, it at least helps them be as undefensive as possible. The second thing that you've got to do is just ensure that, that you're avoiding anecdote and narrative. Because if, if you tell stories around some developmental or growth opportunity, it's much easier for somebody to parry that away or to say, well, so-and-so or this happened or the other happened or you don't understand. If you just come and say, here's what happened, here was the impact, here's what I'd like to see happen next, it's, it's, it's just much cleaner, much sharper. And the other thing that you've got to do where so many people struggle, I see this all the time, it's not your job to make this okay for them. So if you've got some developmental feedback for somebody, it will likely take them aback because nobody likes to get developmental feedback. Let's let's face it. Anybody that says that they do, they're probably suppressing something else. Even for a split second, it just stops us when somebody shares something about us that they think needs to change. And so there will be a reaction. It'll either be internally or it'll be externally. It's not your job as a manager or a leader to fix that or change that. If you approach somebody in a, in a, in a humane way and give them the, the developmental and the growth feedback with empathy and with vulnerability, yeah, you can't, nor should you own their emotional response to that. That's, that's their choice. That's their emotions, their response. What happens too often is we try to cushion that, that blow. We try to soften that blow, right? So, you know, for years, people taught you should give a feedback sandwich, which is one of the most awful ways to give feedback ever. And oh, I could go on a rant all day about that essentially if we go into somebody and say, here's something positive about you, here's something negative about you, and here's something positive about you, what we hear in our ears are, I'm really great. Oh, there's something in the middle that's not that important. I'm really great. And it just gets lost in there. If you got a growth bit of growth feedback for somebody, just share that with them and, and, and then stop. And then let silence do the heavy lifting. So we have a tendency to, to give some feedback, to, to throw it out there. And then we talk ourselves um, out of it. Have you ever noticed that? You'll say, hey, I really need you to work on your time management or I really need you to work on um, uh, being a little bit more accountable. But it's not really that big of a deal. And don't worry about it so much if you can't do it. But if you could just work on these two, thing, two things, it might be great. We just talk ourselves and talk them out of, of whatever that feedback is. Go in. Here's the behavior. 
here's the here's the impact that it had. Here are your choices. Here are your options. This is what I'd like you to, to see you do. Um, and then let's silence do the heavy lifting. Silence is a really powerful tool as a leader. Let them be the first person to respond to that, um, to then decide what they're going to do about it. So long way of saying, no, you're not a, a jerk if you need to give some developmental feedback. In fact, I think that you should do it, but you've got to approach it with humanity. You've got to approach it with empathy. You've got to approach it with vulnerability. And you've got to do it in a way that makes sense that somebody can understand um, what you're asking of them and then give them the opportunity, give them the choice to do with that what they want. All right, folks. Well, it looks like we are coming to the end of our half-hour session. Um, those were two good questions. Uh, I really got into them. And if you've got any questions for next week or the next time I answer some questions, just feel free to let me know. Reach out on social media or send me an email um, at dave at outfieldleadership.com. I hope that you're safe. I hope you're well. Um, and I just encourage you, nobody knows what this is going to look like when we emerge. This is the last bit of advice that I'll share with you because I've been kind of hammering on this for a while now. What you need to do as a leader at the minute is focus on what you can control. There's so much out there that you can't control. So focus on what you can control. Set some short-term goals for you and your team. What do you want to achieve in the next 30 days? Knowing and understanding that things will likely change between now and then. But give yourself something to work towards. Give yourself and your team something to focus on. Set those goals out there. Work towards it. And then remain agile and flexible enough, knowing that things are going to continue to shift and change under us for an unknown period of time. But stay strong. Uh, if you ever need any support, advice, or guidance, I'm always here. Just give me a shout. Thank you so much again for um, joining me today, for tuning in uh, to this podcast, and I hope you have just a great day.